You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, day after a very rough, probably really the worst loss of the season, though I think it's by score officially the second worst loss of the season for the Pelicans as they fall at home to the Boston Celtics, 124-107. to We're going to go into this one because we have to, but just... Woof, is this one pretty, pretty bad. And there's a lot of things to, like a lot of things to not like from this game. We really do need to look at it. The turnovers, the defense, but there's a couple things that weren't bad, didn't lead to good results, but weren't bad. And we'll look at those as well. We're then going to talk about trades and what the Pelicans need to look for in the position that they need to, or that they're kind of put in. And I'll explain what I mean. They're in a very kind of tough spot with how you need to look at things. And that's likely going to take the second and third segment of today's podcast, because certainly we need to come up with solutions to fix what ails the Pelicans who are now on a four game losing streak. So let's dive right on into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. If you're a new listener, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans part of your day. And if you've been listening for any period of time, I really do appreciate it as well. Things are rough right now if you're a Pelicans fan, but I promise we will all get through this together. So the Pelicans did lose, though, on Monday night, 107 to 124 against the Boston Celtics, a game that you can just look at some of the numbers and just be like, oh my God, this is terrible. And basically, yeah, that's kind of like how, how it went, to be honest. You could kind of look at this one and just be like, what the hell is going on? How did they even keep it that close? And why wasn't the lead even bigger for the Boston Celtics? It was 20 at one point in time. And how did the Pelicans actually manage to get it to within six late in the fourth quarter? Great questions all around because let's just look at it here. First, the Pelicans get outscored thirty-four to twenty-one in the first period. That's certainly not going to get it done for you. Sloppy turnovers abounded everywhere. The Pelicans actually had seven in six minutes of play on the night. They finished with twenty-two total turnovers, thirty-two turnover points scored for Boston. That is not good whatsoever. They're not a fast-paced team, but Boston had 18 fast-break points. Part of it, that kind of overlaps the points off turnovers numbers there. And they're one of the slower-paced teams in the league, and the Pelicans kind of just let them run and just made their life easier on them. 18 second-chance points for Boston as well. They gave up 14 offensive rebounds in this one. 14 offensive rebounds isn't like a, 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 a huge number necessarily. Teams are going to get them. But Boston getting 18 points off of that, not good, and the Pelicans need to do a better job there. Then you look at points in the paint. The Pelicans had just 34 on the night. Boston had 42. New Orleans has been one of the best teams scoring in the paint. 34 isn't going to get it done. That kind of just tells you what was going on. Now, a lot of that and the lack of points in the paint is because of the turnovers that they had. And it was brutal at times. Drew Holiday with eight. You had Julius Randle with three. 
Anthony Davis with five, and it was just rough all around. This team, and Alvin Gentry said it after the game, came out and played. The energy and effort was there, to be honest, for the most part, like 90% of the way. But that's good for what we've seen from the Pelicans right now. It was just sloppy play. Drew Holiday being asked to do just way too much and create for others. When he drives and attacks and tries to do those kind of wraparound passes to a trailing Anthony Davis or someone else in the lane, and the spacing's not there because there's not enough shooters on the court, so there's like a line of three Celtics in the paint, and Holiday just kind of passes the ball into their bodies, legs, what have you, it's a turnover. And all of a sudden, Boston is now off to the races, kind of negating the defense that Drew Holiday can play because he was down low on the baseline on the other end. And that's kind of what happened in this game just over and over and over again. You know, Holiday, you look at this and was bad. 13 points on the night, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, 8 turnovers. Just wasn't a good night for him at all. And it's just, he's trying to do too much. And we're going to talk about it in the next segment, in the next two segments, about how important getting another guy with dribble drive penetration or another creator for this offense really is. Because when he's asked to kind of do this or he feels he needs to, you have these turnover games and he reverts to that kind of bad Drew Holiday that we saw at one point. The same kind of guy that we thought getting this contract was well overpaid. Anthony Davis on the night, 27 points, 16 boards, five assists. That's good. But five turnovers, did have three steals, three blocks. But did he feel like a huge factor to you? No. And you could see he wasn't getting into the paint as much or the guys weren't able to get him the ball in the paint. And that's just created problems. He's having to rely even more. And I want to look at these and maybe I'll get some time this week to do so on that mid-range jumper he has. And that's not the player we all want him to be. So good scoring night for him. But he did shoot just 42.1% from the field. Did he get to the line 12 times? That's good. The rebounds are good. But was he as impactful as maybe he needed to be in this one? And I'm going to say no. Each one more was basically a complete no-show in this one. Five points on the night, two of seven shooting. That's it. Julius Randle was eh off the bench, three of eight from the field. He did finish with five rebounds, but three turnovers. And just 15 points. Darius Miller made three threes and wrapped to 11 points. That's great. When you're looking at the scoring, though, the highlight, of course, comes from Nikola Mirotic. In almost 37 minutes of play, he was 6 of 11 from deep, 8 of 15 from the field overall for 25 points. He was hot at one point. He scored 19 of those 25 points in the second quarter. And then you look at his plus minus, and he was minus 12. Because Boston relentlessly attacked him when they were playing offense and he was playing defense. They saw him as the weak link and really tried to kind of put him in awful spots. The guy who had 25 points, second most on this team, should not have been a minus 12. That's because he was kind of the weak link there and not playing good defense. And Boston largely just playing under control and letting their depth kind of shine. Jason Tatum with 20 points, Marcus Morris with 19, Al Horford had 20, including a couple threes late in the fourth that really buried the Pelicans. Marcus Smart with just eight points on the night, but man, did he feel impactful in this one, like he was never going to let this Boston team lose. Kyrie Irving went off in the fourth quarter as well. He finished with 26 points, 11, or sorry, 10 assists on the night, and when he is scoring like that, he's just a very good player and kind of tough to stop. Their depth really did shine through in this one. Terry Rozier, 14 points off the bench as well. This was just bad, and it's the turnovers. And then the offense kind of falling apart from that. Look at this number here. 
The Boston Celtics took 97 field goal attempts in this one. The Pelicans just 77. When you turn the ball over 22 times, that's going to kind of end up happening, and the Pelicans just cannot afford to have that occur in games. They need to get another ball handler. You saw it plain as day in this one. But I don't even know if that's going to fix this Pelicans team because this is a big hole to be following in, falling into and spiraling into without Alfred Payton. Like, one, he should not be this impactful to the team. Let's be honest here. You know, they were still winning games without him last year. And they were doing it without Rondo on the court, too, since he wasn't playing in crunch time or sometimes the entire fourth quarters of games. And they still won. So how has this changed so much that they could win without Rondo and basically your Alfred Payton last year? And then without him this year, it's just kind of all falling to shit like it has been right now. So... So in the third segment, we'll take a look at the position the Pelicans are in. I want you to all understand it a little bit more, where they're kind of almost paralyzed a little bit right now, though they definitely do need to do something. We'll kind of explain the scenario. I'm not going to come up with solutions or names because I just don't like coming up with fake trades and honestly, who the hell knows anyway. And then in the next segment, though, I want to take a look at the standings a little bit and tell you why these losses matter, despite the Pelicans not necessarily, you know, falling too far behind in the standings. But this these losses hurt you in the long run of the season and we'll take a look at why coming right on up. So before we talk about that, I do want to let you guys know that this episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Look, it's it's cold out. It was cold in the season ticket holder beer garden before the game. I was up in New York getting snowed on um, a week or two ago and it was cold in North Alabama where I was last time. It's December. It starts to get cold and it's going to be cold for quite a while here. And Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing that's heat on demand with a touch of a button and you get to control your environment with action heat it's clothing that's engineered to safely and effectively deliver heat basically in the same manner as a heated car seat you can get temperatures on your clothes up to 135 degrees it's powered by a rechargeable 5 volt safe lithium ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on a single charge. And the other awesome part is when you're using this stuff, tweeting, watching games, and your phone starts to die, you can even recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing it with that battery with the Action Heat clothing. With winter being out there right now, this is a perfect gift for friends or family. You know that coworker who's always freezing in their office? Action Heat is a great way to kind of get them warm, make them more productive. You might be that person yourself. I certainly am a lot of the time. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. They've got a men's and women's lines and great new styles and models that have just been released for this season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth and action heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm even in the most frigid winter weather. And just for our Locked On Pelicans listeners, we've got a special deal for you to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on. That's actionheat.com slash locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. And that's, again, actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Pelicans. 
So it's probably a little too early to look at the standings, and there's still a lot of noise out there, but I want to kind of explain a point that I made over on ESPN Radio here in New Orleans 100.3 on the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill yesterday when I made an appearance on there to talk some Pels before this game. And that's that these losses matter even if the Pelicans are still relatively close to the playoffs and the playoff standings right now. After this loss with the Pelicans at 10 and 11, they actually sit 12th out of 15 teams in the Western Conference and you know, doesn't look good outside looking in, but they're only four games out of being the one seed. That's how far behind or how close they are to the Clippers, just four games. And you go from 12 to one. It's a jumbled up mess there right now. They're actually only a half game out of being tied for the eighth spot. And they're just one game out of being solely in possession of the eighth spot. That's how close it is. So you look at this and be like, well, they're not winning, but the Jazz aren't winning either. The Timberwolves aren't winning. You know, the Rockets are nine and 10 in this one. So maybe the Pelicans, all all things considered, aren't in too bad of a spot. And that's true. That's 100% true. And But what that causes is a, a situation where maybe they kind of get it together. Alfred Payton comes back. They run off a bunch of wins. They become more consistent. And they comfortably cruise to, say, a playoff spot. But you're already kind of behind the eight ball on this. And then you end up with a situation of, well, you're going to look at this team at the end of the year. And you're going to say they're better than what their record indicates, which is a good thing. That's the glass half full way to look at this. You'd rather be better than what your record says, right? Even if your record was really good, you'd still rather be better than what it is. Certainly, you know, it's just sometimes you have fluke losses in there. So I think that's a good thing to say. And what we're likely going to look at be the situation in the case for the Pelicans when the end of the season rolls around. The problem with that is, you know, these losses right now are what's going to keep you as a seven or eighth seed in the Western Conference versus being five, four, three, six. I don't know, whatever it's going to be. And you're going to end up matching up with the Golden State Warriors or someone else in the first round that's likely going to beat you. And it doesn't matter that you're better than what your record indicates because your record is what got you that playoff matchup and you lose and you don't make it out of the first round again. That's not what this team wants to end up doing. And so that's why these losses and figuring this out now and saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter. They'll still get into the playoffs and, it, you know, they're not losing ground. That's dangerous. You don't want that because it sets a weird expectation for when they go in there, it's going to be like, well, this team was better than this. How could they get swept? It's because they lost all these stupid losses now and it's hurting them. And it's the type of thing that doesn't necessarily hurt you in the moment in that, you're, you know, you're, you're still very close to being in the playoffs and fighting upward in the standings, but it hurts you in March. It hurts you in April. And that's kind of the glass half empty approach to this. It's great to be better than what your record indicates. But when you're matched up against the Warriors, who cares if you're better than what the, your record indicates because you've drawn the bad matchup and you're going to lose in the first round and likely get swept. And, you know, that kind of maybe stunts the growth of this team a little bit or doesn't put you on that track that you want to be on. So these losses matter even if the standings don't really change for this Pelicans team. So they do need to figure this out because what you do now really does affect what happens later on in the year. 
Don't forget, big game for the Saints on Thursday, heading over to Dallas to take on the Cowboys Thursday night football. Make sure you listen to Locked on Saints to get caught up on everything you need to know. It's kind of a short, weird week, Thursday to Thursday. You might have missed something or two here and there, but Ross Jackson and Locked on Saints absolutely has you covered. So make sure you listen and subscribe, especially with it being such a special season like it is right now to the Locked on Saints podcast. So it's very clear, given what we've seen, especially on this four-game losing streak, that the Pelicans need to do something. What that is remains to be seen, but a move definitely needs to be made to kind of maybe right the ship just a little bit and to kind of fix some of the very glaring issues that are around this team right now. But the Pelicans are in a very weird spot, so let's kind of put this in a little bit more context for you all. This team doesn't have a lot of trade chips and trade pieces like most playoff teams don't you know you just don't have a lot of assets because you've been using them to get better and build to the point where you're at right now so this is no surprise they have maybe maybe I should say maybe enough pieces for one big kind of big move you know you've got Solomon Hill for for salary you can use Frank Jackson Diallo if they're interested in you know young guys maybe you have some future first round picks you can use you have each one more who's on a good contract and a very good NBA player there's a number of pieces you have they can at least get you something in return big ish is the way that I've kind of been describing it but you can Use them on one thing, essentially. There's no way to kind of divvy up those assets and get two great things in return unless Dell Demps pulls off an amazing trade, which is possible. But when we look at it and analyze it, eh, it doesn't look too good. You can use them on a point guard and get Drew some help. Definitely something they need to do after watching this Boston game in the past couple of games, too. But if you do that and Alfred Payton comes back and kind of writes the ship there you've moved a lot of your pieces or all of your pieces for something that's at that point then kind of superfluous and not as necessary having some backup point and creation is never a bad thing but it's not necessarily once Alfred Payton's healthy your primary need so you can use your pieces on that and then have zero wing help or depth at that you know once Alfred Payton comes back because you've traded it all or you can use them on a wing try and ride this out till Alfred Payton comes back Still have some backup point guard issues, but you're maybe overall a better top-to-bottom team. And that's kind of the situation that the Pelicans are in right now. Do you make a move right now to really right the ship and basically plug the leaking holes, knowing that maybe you can bail out the water enough till you can kind of get to land, which is in this weird analogy metaphor, Alfred Payton? Um, That one got away from me. Or do you kind of need to think more long, you know, or do you need to think long term? So that's kind of the issue here, short term versus long term. I think this is one of the reasons why people are so kind of enamored with the idea of trading for Bradley Beal, though now that the Wizards seem to have kind of ended some of their dysfunction for now, though you have to figure it's going to be coming again soon. Beal can kind of play on the wing and then also give you ball handling duties. You know, you don't need to add a pure point. Someone else who can just break down a defense a little bit and take some of the pressure off of Holiday is good. Even if you added another player with Holiday's offensive skill set, it still helps because it doesn't mean he's shouldering the burden 100% here. Then another big part of this, and I don't think it's being talked about enough, so we're going to talk about it here, is do they really think that they can re-sign Randall? You know, it's do you think he'll take like a, a one-year early bird deal and then you can sign him for four years 80 million after that once you have his bird rights 
Not when he can probably get four for 80 on the open market and in free agency this coming off season. So, you know, that's also going to play a factor in this because if you think he's going to walk, you might need to trade him around the trade deadline. And if you do think he's going to walk and you plan on re-signing Miritich, you probably move him for someone who's going to have some long-term salary attached to him. Maybe it's a Beal, maybe it's a Wall. We're just going to keep using the Wizards as examples here. And people are scared of those contracts, but it's still a guy under contract when you kind of are going to be using the majority of your cap space to re-sign Miritich or to give you some breathing room up again or use the space once, you know, AD's extension potential kicks in, other things like that. So I think that's kind of a big thing. And then you don't trade Miritich. So I think it's certainly going to be an intriguing thing because he likely will get us with the way he's playing four years, 20 million and to be a starter, which you don't know if he's going to be here. So it's, a weird situation that this team really, really is in. And because of that, it kind of paralyzes the Pelicans. So do you make that short-term move to really get you some your help right now, or do you hope Alvin Gentry can kind of coach this team out of it? And then even then, if he does, you know, and Alfred Payton comes back, there's still probably a need for kind of another creator in the backcourt, a guy who can dribble drive and kind of break defenses down there and bend them a little bit so that you can at least have better, cleaner passing lanes, which you just did not see in the game against the Boston Celtics last night. And then with with Randall, you might not really have a good idea until February or closer to the trade deadline. And I think that's why maybe the Pelicans are going to end up waving Tim Frazier and just signing someone else that maybe can help just to try it. And Alvin Gentry said ahead of last night's game that, yeah, you know, we're going to need to try some new bench players. You saw Solomon Hill get a whole bunch more run than he has in a long time because they just need to do something different because what they're doing isn't working. But they're kind of stuck. You think short term, you're not going to add that other key piece that maybe makes you just that much better and can kind of vault you into another round or deeper in the playoffs. But if you think too long term, these losses start to pile up right now. And all of a sudden, you're the seven or eights, you'd get swept by the Warriors in the first round, like we just talked about in the last segment. And it's a tough decision. And I don't know if there's a right answer. Maybe you just kind of have to take the best deal that comes along and it just evaluate it then and say, well, we're probably not going to get anything better than this. So we need to do that. And we need to take our lumps and just figure it out. And maybe at this point, just getting into the playoffs, you know, and the Pelicans are only one game under 500. This is a bit of an overreaction is an okay thing. So there's time for it to change, but based off what we've seen these past four games, no real reason to think that it might. So I think that's kind of a weird thing that is going to happen with this team. So the Pelicans really need to take a good long look at themselves. Alvin Gentry needs to kind of figure this team out a little bit more. Del Demps and him probably need to get together and make you know a decision on the best course of action if they think they can fix it. If they can't, maybe they do need to make a move. Now, also interesting to note, after last night's loss to the Boston Celtics, none of the players spoke to the media, which is a bit surprising and not what you want. So not great not good times for the Pelicans. Maybe this leads to, I don't know, players only meeting, something like that. Who knows? But certainly this is going to be interesting. And I think practice and media availability tomorrow, which right now is scheduled. I don't know. Maybe it'll get canceled too. Is kind of eye-opening that this team does seem to feel like they're in a bit of disarray internally. And hopefully they can right the ship if they really do want to make a deep run in the playoffs. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Rough loss, rough times for the Pelicans. But of course, we'll be here to talk more about it, how they can kind of get out of this hole, what they need to do, where they're easy things to fix 
with this team. So all of that and more coming throughout the rest of the week. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.